Hit me again with another one of them rocks. What the fuck's that? It's my lucky crack bike. You a crazy motherfucker. You don't have a lucky crack bike? No. I don't have a lucky motherfucking crack bike. Well, then, Donald, you gotta take a hit off of mine. Why I gotta do that? Because it's lucky. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 131, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. We finally got to it. Yeah, well, you had Days and Confused and The Wire down as ones you were always okay. ready for. Yeah. This one is one I'm always ready for. All right. Yeah. We it's, knew we would get to it eventually. I think I think it's been on the list for a long time. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably the initial lists. <laughs> it's a 2009 film directed by Werner Herzog, for those of you who don't know. Kind of a weird dude, has a strange filmography, makes a lot of documentary movies. Yeah, probably equally known as being a documentarian, but he also appears in movies as an True. actor sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> including like a villain in the first Jack Reacher movie. Oh, wow. I think I know more of his documentary movies, like Grizzly Man, yes, Into the Abyss, I think, something like that. Uh, maybe. I'm not super familiar with his whole filmography. I just, but I just play the hits, and this is a hit for me. Feature films, I know he's done like Rescue Dawn, which seems yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. When you see this movie, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get real deep into this one in a second. I just want to point out that we have a Twitter account. Oh. At Greatest Pod, so hopefully you can click on the follow there. Yeah. And click on the subscribe on iTunes for our podcast. We know the show has uh, picked up some momentum in the wake of the Oscars and our Oscar <laughs> discussion. Seemingly, yeah. yeah. That probably will be as close to a political discussion as we'll get. <laughs> I think people could listen to that and maybe get the wrong idea about some things. But it's just a frustrating, weird time that we're living in. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> I think our ultimate hope and goal is that people will just go back to watching movies for entertainment. That would be fun. And not really watch them with the intention of finding something to be outraged about. Yeah. Because that's really no fun. Who is that fun for? I wonder what people would find to be outraged about in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Oh, there's definitely some weird <laughs> racial stuff. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of weirdness in this movie. Yeah, this movie, it's strange. I think it had a pretty big budget, yet never had like a real release that seemed... Yeah, and, I can I remember... Know. I feel like I bring this up frequently, but like I can remember this being one of those movies that was kind of around during the early Netflix streaming days. Like it seemed like it was just available for Netflix streaming like pretty early. 
Yeah, it came out in 2009. It got really good reviews. It was on a lot of people's best of the year list. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. It had Nick Cage and Eva Mendez, who were pretty big in 2009. Yeah. And yet, it was really under the radar. I don't think that many people knew about it at all. I think it maybe played in like one theater in Pittsburgh. I, I didn't mean, I'm see thinking, it in the theater, that's for sure. I'm thinking the studio saw like a cut of it and was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I know it got good reviews, but you can understand it, some executive level I just think studio it, heads being like, well, if you, you know, I don't think we're going to put this did out. Did you see like the studios that were at the beginning of the film i mean i don't think they're really ones you would know true so i, don't th- I think they couldn't it's possible af- they couldn't that afford to stick it in a drawer well i just think it was possible that they just couldn't it by the time get it, it was ready to come out it just didn't have the backing that it needed i don't know but this movie is nick cage at his most unhinged yeah it's this crazy mesmerizing absurdist poetry going on in this movie <laughs> that you can't really quite explain right it's a crime drama, but also like a fantasy movie in a weird way. And I don't know. I mean, it's almost like you don't even want to bother trying to explain it because it's just unexplainable. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, you haven't seen a Nick Cage performance like this since Mandy <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy thing about this movie is that it's 10 years old now. Yeah. That is weird to think about. <laughs> and Eva Mendez, I mean, I. Yeah, she's pretty it's much like peak human level. being. Good <laughs> night. I know. I don't know if there's ever been anyone more attractive. Yeah, and I, in I the certainly world. want to spend some time talking about her and her character in this movie. But you look at her and you're like, man, imagine being next to her in real life. You wouldn't even think that she's like a human being. She's like something else. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Somehow you and I are the same species. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. According to Herzog, this movie is neither a sequel nor a remake to the 1992 Abel Ferrara film, The Bad Lieutenant, starring Harvey Keitel. Is this one of those things like American Psycho 2, where it was going to be a different movie, but then they just no, tried to I tag think, a name onto it? I think it's more like the screenwriter, William M. Finkelstein, who wrote the screenplay for this, I think he was writing a remake to The Bad Lieutenant, and Herzog comes on to direct it. He's never seen The Bad Lieutenant, doesn't particularly care about it. He wanted to call it something else. I mean, technically, you can do a remake of a film and give it a different title to avoid any possible litigation because you've got the rights to it. However, the whole idea of doing a remake in the first place is to try to capitalize on name brand recognition, although I don't know how much recognition Ferrara's film had other than to complete cinephiles but (laughs) i don't know there was a little bit of controversy with it i think that if it was left up to herzog it probably would have just been called something else the studio wanted to keep it yeah it seems like based on his comments that there's no connection as far as he's concerned in a weird way though that's like the best possible route to do a remake or a reimagining in a weird way because it's like he doesn't feel beholden to the source material at all because he didn't wasn't really familiar with it and didn't care he thought he was just making his own movie i've never seen the harvey keitel i have a lot of keitel dick in it okay we'll say that well that makes me want to see it (laughs) there are some comparisons that could be made i mean the central story about a corrupted cop navigating 
through a horrific crime is kind of the same okay, story. Yeah. There's some one-for-one scenes. In this one, it's the scene with the couple outside of that club. Uh, and then in the one other of my one, favorite scenes. <laughs> in the original, it's a scene where he like pulls over two girls. Who's got the kibble? Yeah. <laughs> there are some great just one-liners in this movie, too. I'll throw that out there. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. The original screenplay by Finkelstein wanted to shoot the film in New York, like the original, the 92 version. However, they moved it to New Orleans, mostly because of a budgetary reason, but in a way that ended up making New Orleans like a character in the film. Well, it's weird. I mean, I th- I hear great things about New Orleans and people really like it. When I think of New Orleans, I think of this movie, and it doesn't really make me want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> This is like a post-Katrina movie, although it was made a few years after. And I don't, I'm not going to give away what our next film is, but it also is like post a big event in a city and kind of comes to represent True. that time That's period. Right. Now, this one was, like I said, was made a few years after, but it's set right after Katrina. And it uses that as the backdrop to this unrelated story. I guess the opening scene is supposed to be kind of in the middle of it, right? It's yeah, like, going on. like the immediate aftermath. Yeah. Okay, so I want to read this thing that I pulled straight off of IMDb, which goes into the contributions of Werner Herzog a little bit more in detail. Granted, I know that he's the director, so his (laughs) contribution was pretty big. Yeah. This sheds a, a little light on how this all came to be and what he brought to it that changed what this movie probably would have become. According to director Werner Herzog in Paul Cronin's interview book, some of the most talked about scenes and images in the film were not in the original screenplay by William N. Finkelstein and were added by Herzog in pre-production or sometimes on the spot. This includes the ideas at the beginning and at the end, the aquarium scene, the dancing soul scene, the inclusion of the iguanas, the alligator lying on the highway run over, McDonough's monologue about his silver spoon and the scene where he brings it to his girlfriend. So all the weird shit, basically. Their relationship was originally mostly drug-related and sexual, not as romantic as in the final movie. Some scenes of drug use were omitted by Herzog because of his little interest in drug culture. The major change in location from New York City, where the screenplay is set, to New Orleans happened because of budget reasons, but also because Herzog wanted it to become, quote, a leading character. All in all, the final movie differs, especially in its humorous tone, additional character scenes, and poetic moments from Finkelstein's screenplay. So what I think would have happened would have been just a straightforward, kind of boring remake of the 92 Ferrara film, which is a wild movie and pretty crazy. <laughs> okay. But I think this would have been a little bit toned down even from that version. Like a B version of it? Yeah, and I think it would have largely been ignored and completely forgotten and not interesting at all. And yeah. Herzog brought a lot of this weirdness to it, which makes it funny. And I think <laughs> what happens with movies like this is that a lot of people that see it would be dismissive of it right away like this is so strange and weird 
that it's silly and I can't get beyond that. And yeah. It's not interesting. But I think there's like a lot of things going on in this movie that you could interpret in a lot of different ways. True. I mean, there's definitely still a lot of parts that feel silly. There's a certain unreality to some of it. Mostly what I'm talking about is the things that some of the characters do yeah. that they would never really do, especially the drug dealer characters like Big Fate and his cronies. Right. The way they act doesn't really make sense. <laughs> they would never just go along with some of the stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah, I know. When I called this crime drama fantasy, that's what I was talking about, like... There's a certain fairy tale element to this that I'd say, you just yeah. have to ride with because it's for the greater good, which is fairy tale evidence number one for me is Ava Mendez being a prostitute. I mean, in what world? <laughs> she would be the richest oh. person in New Orleans. <laughs> in the world. Yeah. In the world. I mean, she'd be like richer than Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> People just giving her any amount of money. It's like, really? This is on the table, okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just love it. This movie is all about Nicolas Cage and his wild performance in it. It's one of my favorite Nick Cage performances. It's oh, yeah. so insane. I mean, he does stuff in this movie that I just don't think anybody else could do. That's probably For true. For example, his facial it's reaction. Eccentric. The way that he stares at the dancing soul scene where he's just staring at it happening. Yeah. I, he's got a look on his face that I just don't think anyone else could do. He does the uh, <laughs> the drugged out look well. His hair is insane. I don't know what's going on with that hair. It's like, what? The, the back limp that he sort of walks around with. Yeah, that voice that is just like, <laughs> like I don't know, he's just making some like, there's some strange accent going on. At times, he turns it up, though, when there's the, the scene where he's, like, going over to Eva Mendez, Frankie's, and there's a dude there or whatever, and the guy's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the last person you want me to be. <laughs> if this movie is all about Nick Cage, then at the very least, you could say that he's able to do what he does because of such a crazy awesome talented supporting cast that includes ava mendez has val kilmer playing the straight man oh right to nick cage's over-the-top character now i can remember when i first saw bad lieutenant protocol in new orleans it was you know 2009 maybe 2010 but pretty close to whenever it came out and was available i can remember seeing val kilmer and i was like wow val kilmer what the fuck happened <laughs> i mean now at this point you're kind of like more used to him looking like this you know what I mean? But, like, in 2009, I think it had been a while since I had seen him, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whew. Easy also, on the, you know, chips. <laughs> also, Exhibit. Right. Feruza Balk, Jennifer Coolidge, Brad Dourif, Tom Bauer, Shea Wiggum in an unbelievable performance. Yeah, I know. I don't even. I didn't even know who he was the first yeah, time Yeah, this I saw is, like, this, the first time so. I was introduced to him and then after this movie it seemed he, like i saw him in everything oh right i think he was in machete i think <laughs> he was bradley cooper's brother in silver linings Playbook. right obviously he was on a uh, boardwalk empire for a while so yeah and michael shannon as well true also from boardwalk empire in this movie a very early role for him a I brief guess. role yeah but a fun role <laughs> and there's other people too but those are the most noteworthy i think you wouldn't call it star-studded, 
but it's a lot of no, solid character actors. Yeah. Playing all kinds of interesting roles. So let's jump into it. It's New Orleans. It's the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Terrence McDonough, played by Nick Cage, and Pruitt, played by Val Kilmer, they come into this police station and they're going to clean out somebody's locker as a favor. And they're just kind of going through it. It's this Whoever's locker this is, I mean, he seems like a pretty cool guy. I mean, isn't this just filled with, like, Polaroids of, like, nude chicks? Well, it's just his wife. Okay. Just I guess. one nude chick then. Yeah. <laughs> but still. I think Pruitt says that he met her at Hooters. Okay. Pretty hot chick. Yeah. And McDonough's going to take them and, I guess, extract something out of this cop for them? I don't know. Yeah. This is our one... He's very resourceful. This and his interaction with the prisoner here in a second, those are, like, the only indications of his behavior pre these events. Yeah. Because... Herzog, by adding this opening scene, gives McDonough Terrence this out for his behavior for the rest of the movie. True. Because this sets up everything. Yeah, I mean, this movie is a little bit of a message about the opioid crisis, <laughs> Yeah, right? There's definitely some of that in there. While they're doing this, they find some prison transfer papers that seem to be incomplete they think there might be a prisoner downstairs they find out that yes there <laughs> is a prisoner happens? not transferred i think this stuff did happen during Katrina. Oh, really? i mean it was such People a chaotic just, yeah. time that crazy shit was happening this uh, part actually freaks me out when the uh dude that's you know still in the jail cell is like come on man there's snakes in here <laughs> oh like the well, idea, it like, opens with that snake cruising through the water right yeah <laughs> ugh, i don't like it so there's a guy in a cell, the area's flooded, the water's rising. They mess with him for a little bit. They're like placing all these bets on him. There's some weird humor to it. But eventually Terrence jumps in and saves this Terrence guy. Terrence saying things like, you know, I don't want to come in and get my $55 cotton silk, underpants. Oh, yes, whatever cotton <laughs> silk underwear, underpants. Yeah, whatever it is. Which in reality, Nicolas Cage probably has like $250 <laughs> underpants, you know? Well, at this point, he's not even a lieutenant yet. He's just a sergeant because... True, this is the act that kind of takes him to that next level. Yeah, so he jumps in to save this guy, which gets him promoted to lieutenant, but it also causes a serious back injury for which he is prescribed Vicodin. I was wondering, and maybe you're not supposed to put that much thought into this scene, but I was wondering, like, what happened here? Like, maybe the water wasn't as deep as he thought, and he kind of, like, hit the ground with his feet, you know? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, okay. he, ju- he lands on something in the water. Right. It's like the deer hunter. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is that he's going to have to deal with pain in his back the rest of his life, and he's going to have to learn how to manage it through prescription prescription drugs and stuff. And this leads to this downward spiral. I think one of the interesting things, which I touched on a little bit, is how much of a prick was Terrence before this event? We saw a little window that he may have been... Somewhat a bit of, of a, a prick, yeah. Bad cop, and it's interesting that the location is this down south in New Orleans, the Bayou, the whole thing. It it reminds me of our discussion during our th- massive three part True Detective <laughs> season one, which in hindsight episodes. just seems nuts. <laughs> and we talked about how that first season of True Detective was about the idea that you need bad men to keep the even worse men at bay like you can't have good men who are beholden to the laws of good men you need to have like people willing to go above and beyond to stop the even worse evil and so that's kind of what this movie becomes over time i guess so yeah because terrence is not a a great guy he does a lot of 
criminal activities and bad shit, but... Yeah, and I, I would say he does things that there's not a good return on, you know? <laughs> well, he does things his own way. True. Okay, so we fast forward six months. Terrence is now addicted to painkillers, but he's also using other drugs like pot and cocaine to manage the pain. We're going to find out in a bit that he's rummaging through the evidence locker and all that stuff. (laughs) He's got friends in various places that kind of help him out. So he shows up at a crime scene. It's a horrible murder. Five illegal immigrants from Senegal are all killed because I guess the head of the household is selling drugs in a gang leader's neighborhood. A couple of the people murdered were kids. Execution style is mentioned. Yes. It's pretty terrible. This is the heinous crime that sets things off. I think in the original it had something to do with the rape and murder of nuns or a nun or something. It's something like crazy. Yeah. But so far to this point in the movie, I mean, you have Nicolas Cage doing kind of a wild performance, but it's pretty straightforward. And then he picks up that poem in the bedroom of the little boy and he (laughs) reads it. And the poem is so strange. It is in like, you know, he stops and stares at the fish and so much time passes after this. You know what I mean? But it really, this is kind of that main point in the movie that it all comes back to. He says, I think the last two lines of the poem are like, his fin is a cloud. He sees me when I sleep or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's this crazy non sequitur of a closing lines of a child's poem. But having Nick Cage read those lines out loud and then stare at this beta fish for an yeah. inordinate amount of time. This is kind of <laughs> like his Blade Runner moment. <laughs> so Terrence is going to head up this investigation. They are going to pull up like local criminals, try to get some information, just typical cop stuff. It's There are moments of this movie that are somewhat straightforward police procedural stuff that almost seem insanely boring and irrelevant <laughs> right. to the rest of the movie because yeah. this movie is basically just populated by these really memorable crazy scenes yes that's and true and when you try to think back of all of the scenes it's hard to <laughs> keep it all straight yeah when they happen how they relate to other things right. it's a little complicated <laughs> yeah. i ended up watching this like three times in preparation oh, for okay. this yeah just to be like really clear on some of the details which i don't even think they really matter it's hard yeah <laughs> they may not even come up in this we meet frankie played by eva mendez she is terrence's girlfriend but also a prostitute also a drug user absolutely stunning yes looking <laughs> I mean. just out of control but i do like and you get it like i think for most guys they would be intimidated to date a prostitute but sure. if she looked like Eva Mendes I think you're willing to do whatever right <laughs> just does, go with the flow you know he's often kind of around when she's entertaining clients and you know he it, he doesn't let it bother him we do get the indication in the first scene that she appears in that she is much more wealthy than he is absolutely because he said something about not being able to afford, afford to like take her to fancy dinner and she's like, I can afford it, baby. Well, and plus, like, look where she lives. She lives in, like, this high-rise condo. It's crazy. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, she seems Why, like it, she would be a success, it, right? Yeah, it's like, well, you can put the pieces together as to how they met 
he's a cop. Obviously, that's <laughs> yeah. not afraid to do whatever he wants. Yep. So you can you can connect the dots I to how so. this all came together. <laughs> I do love when you talked about Herzog's contributions to the film. I love the angle where these two are like really kind of in love with each other. I do think that brings yeah. another element to it. This movie actually does reward multiple viewings, I think, because the first time you watch it, you're confused about a lot of this stuff. <laughs> you're not sure what's going on. Like, wh- he's dating this prostitute. I don't understand. Right. What is their relationship? Is he hit her pimp? But no, it's really much more sweet than that and they do kind of have a real relationship yeah which makes no sense like many of the other parts of the movie i think her performance in this movie is pretty pretty solid too yeah we talked about her like this kind of weird character as well you know yeah we talked about her in the place beyond the pines which i think is a way better performance and it's actually should have been nominated for like an oscar yeah performance but yeah I just think there's angles you She's can take. good. There's angles you can take to doing a character like this that keep it like pretty bland. But I, I feel like she has she brings like a certain energy to it that you're always like kind of puzzled by what she's doing. You know, it like keeps you on your toes a bit. Yeah, it's fun to watch her face right when she's not talking. Like the one time when he takes the coke from that one guy. Yeah, not Shea Wiggum, but the other guy. Yes, yes. Yeah, like just watching her face during that whole scene is really funny. She's been around for longer than you would think. Oh, that's true. I know. We want details. Sick people. A lot of crazy scenes. There's the prescription scene where he just like takes the prescription drugs, gets in an altercation with the pharmacist and the security guard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who brought him in? That's who's questioning him? I'll be there in 10 minutes. Tell him I'm on my way. Tell him if he puts his hands on this guy, he's going to have a problem. I don't give a shit, Armand. You tell him to take a fucking break. She crazy. Excuse me, could you tell me how much longer that's going to be? Hello, miss. I'm a lieutenant in the police department. I'm in the middle of a homicide investigation. Can I get my prescription, please? Do you see I'm on the phone? Hey, you can't come back here. You got me waiting 30 minutes so you can make a fuck personal phone call. Can't be back. Security, security to pharmacy, security to pharmacy, please. This is it. This is it. Come on, guy. Police emergency. On. This is it. You know, cop. What's that look like? Then why are you acting all crazy for? This is uh, $23 with my copay, right? Here's 40. Get everybody a drink. Get the fuck out of my way. Everything kind of leads to this path to the drug dealer Big Fate, played by Exhibit and his two henchmen, Midget and G. Right. They're not really like intimidating gangsters. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're kind they, of strange. They seem jovial almost. We meet Munt, played by Michael Shannon. He's the property room guy. That's where Terrence is getting some of his supply. But the scene we really want to get to early on in the film is the Gators retreat scene. Oh, yeah. First of all, the sign for Gator's Retreat looks like it was done on a computer and not very well. (laughs) It doesn't look like it fits in the scene. Well, I mean, we should point out some of the, like, visual effects in this movie look so dumb. (laughs) Well, this looks 
pretty bad. Yeah. But it's minor. It's just a sign on a club. Right. I think they were just like, this doesn't look like a club. We but if you just walked into a room and someone had this on, and it's like the scene where they do like the weird camera filters, like close up on iguanas walking across. Well, yeah, I think those were just like handheld cameras okay. or something. Yeah. It doesn't look great, but. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think it was supposed to look different. I think so, yeah. I don't really know what the point is, though. Other than to be weird. Right. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. This sequence is a window into how bad things are for Terrence, where he's basically like holding up these two outside the nightclub and threatening them and taking the crack and smoking the crack <laughs> with the girl. This is a fun scene, though. It never, and this is going to be an admission on my part that maybe makes me look bad, but I never really considered this a rape until more recently and then i was reading and somebody described it as that and i was like yeah i guess he is kind of using this position true like she's doing it i mean she (laughs) it's like clerks she's doing all the work and she (laughs) she really initiates it she's the one that takes it to a sexual level i feel like kind of i mean they were kissing yeah i mean it's a i mean i know it's it's a delicate subject yeah i mean kissing isn't an invitation to more i will say that it does kind of fall under a gray area, but he's yeah. using like a position of power and threatening over them true, to basically true. do whatever he wants. I mean, at a certain point, this turns into like a full-on cuck situation, I feel like. <laughs> the boyfriend this, tries to run away. <laughs> it happens, what, like 15, 20 minutes into the movie, yeah. and at this point, the first time you're watching it, you're just like, okay... I'm 100% in on this now. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like the camera is showing his car pulling into the parking lot, but you can hear the conversations, like the voiceover audio from the two club-going right. couple, you know, is so loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild scene. And they're having quite a conversation on their way. I don't know if they're leaving the club or going into Yeah, they're, they're leaving. On their way out, right? They're going to right. the car, yeah. It's attempted bribery. Excuse me. This is worth $60,000. Doesn't that get us past attempted? Where's the rock at? Come on, come on, who's got the kibble? You want a hit? Yes. Buy you new clothes or back to school, huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? Didn't see you in the high school play, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what that's if they saw you now. Huh? Yeah. Smoking crack. Uh, mm-hmm. Going out with no, no panties on. Uh, no panties. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't. I bet they think about you when you were a little girl. I wonder how it all happened, yeah? Uh, 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 fucking motherfucker! You stand there and you watch! You watch her! Yeah. You watch your fucking girlfriend! <laughs> and he uses this phrase this time and then he'll use it again later but he's like you were seen passing drugs in the club <laughs> I do, yeah his way of saying it is so strange and i do love when he's, he says it like a couple times and the girl's just like i don't even know what that means she's like what the fuck does that mean yeah. passing drugs <laughs> okay so that's the first a plus scene okay i so will say though i mean we should speak about that girl for a second pretty wild i mean she smokes crack she's willing to kind of like escalate it to this level with this cop I she mean, tries to bribe him with like a sixty thousand dollar thing right apparently. uh no underwear no underwear pretty short skirt no underwear yeah i mean that's living on the edge those were the days when that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. would happen i think we're at a point now where that's not as common <laughs> yeah it does it it just feels like a little unhygienic too though you know <laughs> yeah i yeah i do know okay I love it. <laughs> I just love it. So they piece it together that there was probably a witness, this delivery boy. I, I don't know how all this comes together, but they, <laughs> they they figure out that there's probably this witness that's this kid named Daryl. His grandma works at a nursing home. They go there. It's Terrence and this other cop. He's yeah. like that dude from Alpha Dog. Sean Hattesey or something like that. Yeah. They scoop up this kid, Daryl. I mean, his grandma tries to protect him the first time, hide him, but we'll swing back to the grandma <laughs> later. This scene's not as important. True. But Daryl does just, I mean, he is hiding, like, outside the window and just comes right. in. So then they pick up G, one of Big Fate's henchmen. <laughs> Which is fun, the way that Nicolas Cage, like, always says G. Yeah, and laughs. <laughs> yeah, he's like, your friend, G. After all this, after this arrest, Terrence goes to place a bet with his bookie, played by Brad Dourif. He wants Terrence to fix a speeding ticket for his kid. And so Terrence negotiates half a point on the game that he's going to bet to move the line half a point. (laughs) (laughs) This immediately goes to him trying to go to the cop to get it fixed. There's that alligator roadkill. This is a, yeah, kind of a nuts visual to have in the movie right it's like a full dead alligator on the highway and the car like flipped over right that hit it yeah. somehow <laughs> also like again this is one of those scenes that i see and i'm like you know i, I don't really need to go to new orleans <laughs> i don't know i think that be would cool. be me i'd hit the alligator and flip my car <laughs> but this guy turns out to be a hard ass he's not gonna fix it yeah he's not doing any favors for any other cops in comes Faruza Balk. She yeah. plays like an officer. Sapphire from Almost Famous. Is this the same police department my father was in? He'll excuse me. Right. Guardian of the flame, right? Fucking ass. Get back in your car, Lieutenant. Or else what? Hey there. Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know the Lieutenant officer? Yeah, we used to work together. Why don't you walk him back to his car? not to bother with that asshole you needed a ticket fixed why didn't you come to me i didn't know you worked here oh they only let me out on patrol when they're short-handed mostly they got me in the property room property room what are you doing tonight you asking me out yes i am 
They make this date to hang out. It cuts to that gator cam, which you referenced. Just this weird well, other alligator. We, yeah, I guess like this other alligator was like, oh, that was my friend. That just <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems run like. Over. <laughs> so Feruza, she works in an evidence locker. This is like this <laughs> perks up Terrence's ears. Yeah. But they have a past, right? I mean, seemingly, yeah. That's what it feels like. So he's going to use her for drugs. She comes out like in her boots and like bra and underwear. A it's like a really weird sexual getup. And he's not into it. I mean, he took he's like a he sleep. took the drugs yeah. and like passed out. It feels like he's got a good opportunity here to have a nice little evening, but you know, he really was only interested in Well, maybe someone. he's loyal to Frankie. He needs a new connection to an evidence locker. It's a really weird cameo. She's only in the two scenes. Yeah, like, she's on mentioned the side of the again road. later, and that's it. Yeah, I don't know. She looks good, though, I will say, in that scene that she walks yeah. in, in that little number. Oh, yeah. In those boots. Yeah, she's always got that... Kind of weird look. <laughs> I was going to say wild, but okay, weird. It's yeah. acceptable. <laughs> weird in a good way. Unique. Yeah, I think people would know her f- mostly from, what, The Craft? Yeah. What's the other thing she's known for? I mean, I I just I always remember her from Almost Famous. Does anyone oh, yeah, remember yeah. Laughter? That's true. The next scene is the stakeout. It's like just briefly across the street, but this is where there's the iguanas on the dining room table that only Terrence can see. <laughs> <laughs> Which then leads to it's such a weird transition because he's like, What's the deal with these iguanas? He's like flipping out about them and Pruitt, Val Kilmer's like, there's no iguanas there. And he's like, what, <laughs> yeah. then what What the fuck do you call these? And he like smacks one of the iguanas and it hisses at him. And then he just turns his head and then just starts talking about they're going to like arrest Midget now. Absolutely. Like it just, it just yeah. transitions right. from like this insanity <laughs> right into, okay, what do we got across the street? Absolute terrible job by his colleagues, fellow officers, his boss, really unable to recognize that this is so out of control. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it speaks to maybe the type of person he was before the drugs that, like, I don't know, people were just like, yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah, this is what he does. <laughs> How long has he been in there? About 20 minutes. Who else? His girlfriend, at least one infant. That's as far as we know. What are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table? They ain't no iguana. Yeah, there are. There ain't no iguana. What the fuck is that? Fucking iguana. Are we set up? Swat's around the corner. No! No. Just, just no swat. Let him stay there. Well, the duty captain said he wanted to coordinate with us when we is, ended. Is that right, Stevie? Is that what you're fucking doing now? Reporting back to the fucking duty I'm captain? I'm telling you what he said. We need swat. We'll call him. So they pick up Midget as well, and Terrence ends up smoking weed with him, like, as he's arresting him. (laughs) Well, there's always, like, that's something that happens a few times in the movie. A lot of cops coming to a scene, and then, like, it just being, like, Terrence with the criminals or whatever, and then he does something bad. Yeah, he did tell, like, the other guy to leave the room for a minute. Because even at the end of the movie when they do, like, the raid or whatever, it's like, there's all these cops coming, and then all of a sudden it's just Val Kilmer and... Yeah. You know, Nicolas Cage and Exhibit. 
Yeah, well, it simplifies it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like with the idea that they're going to do something illegal or sketchy. Right. Yeah, so basically the idea is that they're they're trying to pick up Big Fate's guys, get them to flip, try to find out what happened with this mass murder that's such a horrific crime that it's taking like such a top priority. Terrence goes out to see his dad who lives with his new wife not terrence's mom genevieve no. genevieve played by jennifer coolidge yeah. stifler's mom genevieve known beer drinker yeah which is mentioned a few times she's like he, why can't he just stick to beer like i do right <laughs> well his dad is in aa though yeah right which is a big plot point yeah so his dad is going to aa can't take care of the dog once Genevieve to do it. Genevieve's freaking out. She can't do it. So the dog becomes this plot point where Terrence takes the dog. The dog goes to Frankie, but Frankie's got to go to Biloxi. (laughs) Then it goes to interrogating Midget, and things are kind of going off the rails there because Midget's like, well, let's smoke up then. And he's like, it's like you just like spoke for like 15 seconds and we've moved through like 20 plot pieces. It's all over the place. It's so crazy to try to follow the murder sequence, like the murder events and how they're going to catch these guys with all this other stuff. While they're interrogating Midget, Big Fate turns himself in. And that's like a hilarious scene too, because exhibits like, how can I help you? And he's got like that evil laugh, like, ha, 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 ha. It's like so over right. the top. Now, through all of this, they have that kid, Daryl, in yes. their custody, right? Because Yeah, I don't think it's 24-hour protection yet, because right. that's about to happen right now. Okay, yeah, because they go see, I guess it's the district attorney. Who, yes. I don't know if you noticed that guy's name on his door. Uh, I don't remember, no. Jeremiah Goodhusband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, yeah, I I did notice that at one point, yeah. (laughs) They need to offer Gerald 24-hour protection, not only because everybody's afraid of Big Fate and him intimidating or killing witnesses, but also he's their whole case because they have nothing else linking Big Fate and his cronies to this murder scene. Then he gets the call from Frankie's doorman. He's got the dog. (laughs) Frankie's MIA. She didn't come back from Biloxi. This leads to... Terrence taking Daryl and the dog to Biloxi actually, to track down Frankie. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, him driving Daryl to go find Frankie. <laughs> so he's starting to explain to Daryl. See, she just can't be trusted. She, she never where she says she is. She doesn't answer her phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Explaining, you know, to this kid, basically, the pains of dating a prostitute. <laughs> so when he shows up to the hotel room in Biloxi... Frankie's got a black eye, and it seems that she's with a somewhat abusive John. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> he goes in there. It's he Shea Wiggum. Like he has some demons, maybe. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? It was erotic shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, did I hurt you? This scene is so fucking funny, and this character that Shea Wiggum is playing I don't even, he just is like, he just speaks in like, oh yeah. That's just like all he says right, to right. everything. Yes. Then he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a wild character. The first time that we watched this movie, uh, I watched it with friend of the show, Brian Bell. Oh, dear friend of the show. I, yeah. And we, I mean, we must have rewound this scene like two or three times, which is a rarity. I mean, right. we were howling laughing at this scene. It is so fucking funny. Yeah. And the punctuation of him like in the hallway with Daryl, when he's like, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> like, I, you're like, what am I watching? I don't understand what this movie is. Baby. Hi, baby. Mm. What are you doing? You all right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Who did it? Do you have anything for me? Some coke. That's it? I'm back in. Hey, 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 hey! Take it easy, man. Just get my money. He never paid. What are you, jealous boyfriend? Shut the fuck up. Just get me my money. I usually pay when I'm done. Done smacking her around. It was erotic shit, man. I didn't hurt her. I'm not hurting you. Did I hurt? Did I hurt you? Hmm? Terrence, let's just go. We don't hit women down south. You just made a big mistake, Terry. My father's Andy Winnick. You ever hear of him? Oh. One of the biggest developers in the Gulf Coast. <laughs> Congratulations. Tommy Leonardi's one of his best friends. Hey, listen to me, scumbag. Don't try to impress me with your father knows some guinea hood. Ooh. What you gotta take away from this experience is if you ever see that girl again, you turn around and you walk in the oh, opposite direction. Oh, you got that? Yeah, man. I ever heard about you so yeah. much as looking at that girl? Uh-huh. You're gonna wish you were born <laughs> without a dick. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is it clear what all he got out of this visit? I mean, did he just hit her or did they actually get it going? Who knows? Yeah. We want details. Sick people. The whole idea is he hasn't paid Frankie yet, so Terrence takes like 10K off of him, threatens him. It's this incredible scene but it turns out that this guy his name's justin by the way he's well connected well connected because both on the crime side and politically we'll find out they're trying to like measure dicks or whatever and it comes to a head but for the moment terrence is going to leave biloxi with frankie daryl and now the dog as well they go downstairs it's like a casino terrence steps steps aside for a minute to find out the result of a game that he <laughs> yes. bet on Here and we then go. Daryl flees. Frankie once again showing how unreliable she is. Well, to be fair, I don't think she knew what the story was at that point. Oh, I know, but like <laughs> she couldn't keep this kid there. She looks like that and she can't keep a like teenage boy <laughs> in her presence. So Daryl flees, they look all over for him, they can't find him. And so they got to go back to New Orleans empty-handed without this key witness in this huge case. So Terrence goes back to the nursing home where Daryl's grandma works, and he uh, threatens to kill her patient. Up a notch, yeah. <laughs> he's yelling at these two old ladies. He's pulling the oxygen out of the one old lady's nose and yeah, threatening to kill her. Yeah, he was a bit aggressive her. with the old lady. Gun in their faces. Right. Yelling at them, saying, calling them cunts, saying that like they're the reason this country's going down the drain. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, basically saying, like, well, you shouldn't be holding on. You should just let yourself... Uh, haven't you ever thought about your kids or grandkids <laughs> who could use your money as an inheritance? Right now, I'm working on about an hour and a half sleep over the past three days. And I'm still trying to remain courteous. I'm beginning to think that that's getting in the way of my being effective. What are you doing? What? Stop it. What are you doing? I want to know where Daryl is. Oh my God. Nobody saw me come in. Nobody knows I'm here. This old woman's gonna run out of air, and you're gonna have a tough time convincing people that it wasn't you who did it to her. And even if, and even if, you do convince them that you didn't kill her on purpose, you're still gonna have a tough time selling them that you took care of her with a fuck. God. Now listen to me. Where the fuck is he? I said, where the fuck is he? He's on an airplane. Miss Antoinette bought him a ticket and sent him to live with her family in England. It's okay. That's okay. That's a good girl. Suck, suck it up. Come, there you go. There you go. That's it. Take it in. That's a good girl. Take it in. Good. 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 That's it. Breathe. Maybe you should drop dead, you selfish cunt. You ever think about your kids? Your grandkids, huh? Sucking up their inheritance through that fucked oxygen tube? And Benny's fucked intensive care? You fucks, I hate you. I hate you both. I, I should, I should fucking both. Just right now, I should fucking kill you fucking both! You're the fucking reason this country's going down the drain. Turns out that this rich elderly patient that Daryl's grandma is taking care of has sent Daryl to England to avoid all of this and be free from having to deal with the gangland Oh, that's bullshit. nice. Well, it's nice for Daryl, but he was a key witness in a murder trial yeah, where five not people not looking good killed. for Terrence. So right now, Terrence is spinning all of these plates. He's got this murder investigation going on that is a huge priority. He's got his drug habit, which is escalating. His gambling habit. He has unpaid gambling debts. He's got a missing witness. He's threatening these old ladies. He's got a hooker girlfriend. And now, because of his actions with the old ladies, public integrity is looking into him, which I wasn't entirely sure what that was, but I took that to be something like internal affairs right. or something. It seems like the same thing. And just when things couldn't get any more complicated, there's now another log on the fire because when he goes back to Frankie's, there's these gangsters. Which is... A pretty funny scene, the way that he's, like, getting all their names and stuff. He's like, who are you? I'm Dave. I'm Jesse. I'm, like, the camera's panning over, and, like, they're just kind of introducing themselves on a first-name basis. So these guys have shown up on behalf of Justin, the, the abuse of John from Biloxi, and they are these gangsters that are affiliated, I guess, with Justin's dad or something, and they demand 50K. There's some negotiation. Terrence gets it down to, like, two days that he has right they want to fuck frankie as well but he somehow manages to put them off yeah 
So now he has to do this. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to hide Frankie at my dad's house out in the parish. (laughs) (laughs) I just really wanted to say out in the parish. Right. Instead of out in the county. Because it's New Orleans. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But while he's there and then Frankie and Genevieve are screaming at each other, that's when these public integrity people show up. And now they found out about not only the old lady and that whole scene with Daryl's grandma and the nursing home, but also... The abusive client, Justin's people, he's connected with all the way to City Hall or whatever. Right, yeah. (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah. They reduce Terrence to modified duty, and he has to forfeit his gun, and it's like a whole thing. Should be pointed out, the way that Terrence carries his gun around... (laughs) Just tucked into the front of his pants. Yeah, (laughs) tucked into the front of his suit pants, basically. I don't think that's normal police protocol. Yeah. (laughs) Especially, I don't, I mean... Having a gun like that seems crazy. <laughs> right. It's like a 44 Magnum or something. I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Because of this, I guess like Terrence is angered and gets desperate and decides to take things into his own hands. And when it's your first time watching the movie, you're not really sure, I guess, where this is headed. I I mean... I, I can't say that I ever feel like I know where this is headed. <laughs> The fact that he's just going to walk into the bar, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Right, yeah. yeah. He approaches Big Fate and offers him this partnership. Basically, he's going to provide police information and protection in exchange for cash. Everything up until this point has been crazy and weird, but you could kind of buy it. Yeah, the movie goes to a next level this at this point. This whole part is really where the unreality takes over because they like everybody acts in. in a way that I just don't see people acting. I know. They accept him into the fold so quick. Right. And But the scenes are so crazy and funny that you just go with it i agree like the fact that it's not believable is pointless at i don't a certain even know point. you know and you can probably tell me but I, I don't even know what the thing that terrence does is that makes big fate trust him he just provided an information about a bus that was gonna happen okay that he because like terrence gets yeah. like reduced to working in the evidence locker himself seems like a good spot for him i mean right yeah because those people like bring in those drugs right. and he claims that the scale is broken and then <laughs> when he returns them the drugs it's yep. like less than they thought <laughs> but then he asks them like what are you doing today and they tell him and then he reports that information to big fate and then it turns out to be true so then they that's all it takes right well that's what and i mean and then they believe him. and then in like the next scene with big fate big fate's goons are like dumping a body that's the same car ride that's okay. why it doesn't right. make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I know, right. They haven't even confirmed that his information is good, and yet they're like, let's <laughs> yeah. dump this body. Right. And I was wondering, like, I was like, okay, well, maybe that's their test. Like, it's not a real body, it could, and yeah, they're going to see what he does. Right. Well, that could be, yeah. And he does But nothing. they don't explain that right. ever. So you're just like, I don't know, it seems like they're dumping a body. Do you think this pitch about buying the real estate down by the water and building future condominiums down there is real? I think it is, but it's, it's kinda, also... It's kind of like The Wire. Yeah, you know? it's very reminiscent of The Wire, and it's also Big Fate's big ambitions, which he's unveiling almost immediately. Yeah. It plays into this whole thing where Terrence has earned their trust seemingly he kinda has overnight. A, he has like a Stringer Bell vibe a little bit, you know, with the suits and everything. <laughs> then they cut to a scene of them all together in, in I, Terrence's car, because Terrence is driving, and... I think this is where they do like their pickup of their shipment. And right. so everything worked out perfectly. Terrence is going to get his 15K for this. 
And then he's like flipping out or whatever that they're not giving him the money like right away. And this is when he like pulls out the gun and it's like to the break of dawn, that yes. whole thing. And you're so just like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Right. And the way that they're just cool with him pointing a gun in their face and well, constantly threatening cool them. <laughs> well, they don't like, but he, it doesn't seem to strain anything. They talk him down and then, yeah, it just kind of like dies. And then they all start laughing together. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Taliban shit. That's what this is. Oh. It's that shit Osama get a motherfucker before they blow themselves up. That's money. Yeah. Where's the money? Hey, shut! Where's the 15,000? You don't get it, man. Relax. All that. Did I not do what I said I was going to do? Yo, man. Relax. Tell me again to relax. I'm not looking to beat you, man. Where's my money? I'll get your money. When? Tomorrow. Where? My place. Give me a cut of the uncut dope. Look, I'm gonna pay you in money. This is interest. That's bullshit, man. What's that, little man? Chill out. Here. Now put that gun away before you kill somebody. Kill all of you. To the break of dawn. (laughs) (laughs) To the break of dawn, baby. I mean, I guess they're kind of scared of him because he's still a cop, but, like, I don't know. I don't know why they would think this was a great idea. I get, I mean, they're, they're just like, this guy is insane. Right. Well, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's clear. Terrence is able to use Big Fate's payments to him to pay off his gambling debts, bet on new things. Well, he also gets a taste of the uncut drugs, too, right? Yes. Meanwhile, while all of this is happening with Big Fate and Terrence, Frankie decides that she wants to get clean. She's like going to AA <laughs> She's been meetings. spending some time with Terrence's dad. Yeah. Which that is fun when he shows up with like the uncut drugs and he's like, hey, I just scored these. Uh, let's let's hit this up. And she's like, well, you know, I, I, I want it, but maybe after the meeting. <laughs> yeah. So now this is the big iconic scene from this movie, which is smoking crack with Big Fate, Midget, and G. <laughs> Hard to figure out what the iconic scene is for me. <laughs> this is another when he's scene. yelling to the break of dawn. Is it not the iconic scene? Well, that's like the the precursor to this scene. That's like okay. the teaser. Right. And then this scene is just so insane. Yeah. <laughs> this is the way to do business. This this way, I ain't got to worry about what I'm walking into. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Let me hit that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you hitting this shit? Hey, midget. Light the Caucasians rock. <laughs> you my kind of motherfucking cop, man. You a crazy motherfucker. With that key run you. Uh, what, what do you care? I'm guessing 60000 Pretty good guess. Will you shut the fuck up? 
You owe me 15,000. I'll take 25% of the dope uncut. Uh, that means you get my price. That's one way of looking at it. The other is you get to keep 75% and not go to prison for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Go ahead. Make sure you cut that shit before you sell it, unless you want to kill the motherfucker who buys it. Hey, did I ever tell you a story about nigga elk? Nigga elk, yeah? I was watching TV, the game, right? Ronaldo Hayes, he got tossed the ball and he was running with it. He was running, running, running. <laughs> he jumped over three linebackers in midair. He sprouted antlers like a gazelle. <laughs> like an elk. <laughs> he landed again. He ran, ran, ran. He scored a touchdown. That's <laughs> <laughs> the crack talking. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not worried about you, so don't be concerned about me. Because <laughs> I'm not concerned if you're not concerned, so don't worry, because I'm not really concerned. <laughs> I'm worried, because if you drop dead, I'm the motherfucker they come looking for. And then I got to end up having a nigga from Africa trying to move in on my shit. And I don't want to shoot no more purple-ass niggas from Africa. You easy, understand? Easy, 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 because I'm not easy. <laughs> fucking God. So he does the whole lucky crack pipe monologue, which at the time, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? He's smoking uh, crack true, with though. Him. Everyone does have a lucky crack pipe. And we'll circle back to the lucky crack pipe in a second. But then... The gangsters who he promised this 50K to show up. Yeah. And he offers them his cut of the drugs, which is worth more than 50K, but they decide they want all of the drugs, even though it doesn't belong to Terrence. It belongs yeah. to Big Fate. They do seem to be overplaying their hand here. Yeah. This leads to a shootout. Big Fate and his crew kill the gangsters. <laughs> yeah, not even much of a shootout. I mean, it's pretty one-sided. He wants them to keep shooting their bodies because of the dancing soul. Yes. This is another scene similar to the iguanas. I think right. an iguana even makes a little run in here at the end of it. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. The iguanas start to kind of appear more frequently <laughs> as the movie goes on. And I don't know about you, but I find the hardest part of collecting debts is having to listen to the stories. Wait a minute. Terrence, I owe you some money. $50,000. Plus, my two young friends here were supposed to have had a sexual experience of their choosing with an attractive woman. Nothing. He came across with none of it. Now, that's wrong. That's wrong you don't do what you say you're going to do, Terrence. My end of the dope's worth more than the 50000 Take it. Why don't I take all the dope? Why are you going to take what belongs to me? Well, there was a time when I wouldn't have. I would have taken what was mine and left the rest on the table. But you see, I never got rich enough to retire. I'm stuck doing this shit. And I'm not young anymore. So now I don't leave nothing on the table. Pick it up. still dancing.
unbeknownst to Big Fate and everyone else, Terrence has never really switched sides completely. And he uses this lucky crack pipe thing as planted evidence because he gets Big Fate to smoke from it. Yeah. Get putting his DNA on it. He gives it to that other cop and tells him that or no he doesn't give it to him he just tells him to go back to the crime scene and look for a crack pipe (laughs) (laughs) everything is pretty obvious but you know and then all of a sudden everything just magically starts working out (laughs) yeah it it is weird how that happens i mean that plays into like the whole fantasy element of it where it's almost like a revolving door of people coming into terrence's desk and like everything being fixed well what point does he pull over the football player I was just going to leave that out. Yeah, well, The point <laughs> I was going to have about it was that could have been completely left out of the movie. I mean, that fits in with the, the whole gambling stuff, which we've right. minimized like a little bit. And I know there's like the whole point to it is he like goes through all of this and it ends up being like it didn't even matter. Like it turned out well for him with the gambling and he didn't even have to do what he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a couple of parts that I just figured we could leave out because... You just go There's too just far into so the much. weed. Yeah. There's, yeah, the busts the one college football player for buying weed. Yeah. And then he tries to use him to, like, influence a game. And then there's the whole silver spoon thing. Which oh, true. has to probably be some kind of a metaphor because it's a silver spoon, you know, kind of like in Get Out. It's yes. like there's obviously some sort of commentary there, and then it turns out to not be a real silver spoon. Right. I don't really know what they're going for exactly, other than it just seems crazy. Although Frankie definitely very flattered and elated, I would say, that she's getting this spoon as a gift, right? A rusty spoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Frankie just wants some love in her life. She seems like she's had a... I just can't picture Frankie being devoid of love. It feels like <laughs> well, there would be plenty willing to give. Yeah, but there's a difference. I get it. Between love and lust. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, come on. Well, I don't know. For me, it might be love, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, as we were saying, everything starts magically working out because when Terrence goes back to the office or the you know whatever they call that where police are, <laughs> the police department where his desk is. Yes. First, there's the abusive John guy, Justin. And he's Shows like, back, just comes to the police department. And he's just like, hey, man. I got no beef with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the three gangster guys turn just up dead. Just get killed. Yeah. Well, I guess they went missing, but the implication is that they're dead. And he's like, that complaint has been withdrawn. I guess the one yeah. from City Hall or whatever the fuck they were right. talking about. And as he leaves, like literally as he's leaving, then the bookie walks in and he's like, oh, that game that you thought you lost, you actually won. Here's all this money. $10,000. And while that's all happening, Frankie's getting clean. And then, oh, yeah, that lucky crack pipe that was planted evidence, that comes into play because now they found it. It matches Big Fate's DNA. And now you can go arrest Big Fate and you solve this big murder. Everything all happens like in about 30 seconds, it seems now, like. Now, I will say, it's disappointing to me the result with, with Big Fate because I was kind of enjoying their partnership. Yeah, everything, every interaction between them is so good. that. And then this does end up feeling like a big betrayal. Well, I think it's fine that it turns out that Terrence is still a cop and that when he told Big Fate, because there was that part when he first pitches it to Big Fate and he's like, what, you don't care about those murders? I never did. Yeah, he's like, look at me. Now look at you. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? 
I never did. <laughs> this voice that Nicolas Cage oh, is nuts. doing. It's just like, what? Yeah. They go and they arrest Big Fate. And as you alluded to it, all these cops barge in and they take away like Midget and G and everything. And then it's just Pruitt, Terrence, and Big Fate. And Pruitt w- wants to just shoot him and act like he went for his gun. Yeah. And Terrence, this out-of-control cop that bends well, the we rules. We can't do that. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to do that. And he stops him from killing Big Fate on the spot and so that they can arrest him instead. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, he's showing that he's not completely out of control, I guess. Right. I don't know. It's a weird turn. Yes. And there is a case to be made that if you pay attention to everything that Pruitt says and does throughout the movie, that he's like the real bad cop. Yeah, I mean, I, I never viewed him as like a great guy. He makes that joke at the beginning of the movie like, we'll just get the time of death from the corner or whatever. Right. Talking about the guy in the cell. Yeah. Like, when they're betting on how long it's going to take. Yes. Pretending to. And he just, like, casually says that as, like, a throwaway line. And you're like, oh, wow, it's dark. He's just like, yeah, we're just going to leave and we'll find out later when he died. And then... Which felt on the table to me. He roughs up the one first guy that they bring in to yep. question about the murders. The guy that's not connected to the murders, but that they use for information. He's, like, slapping him around. And then this whole plan that he has to just kill Big Fate and act like he was going for his gun. I mean, maybe he's the sociopath and Terrence is more normal than we thought. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to ever describe Terrence as normal. That's true. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Till the break of dawn. Till the break of dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of my favorite lines, and I don't know if it's out there, but and I can't even really remember when he says it because there's so many moments where he could say it, but when he's like, Whatever I take is prescription, except for the heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it cuts to a year later, and Terrence is being promoted to police captain. Frankie is pregnant. So this, to me, feels like the taxi cab, not real ending, you know? Taxi driver. Sorry, yeah, taxi driver. Now, there's more after this, but when you just have this scene, yeah, this it feels not real. Yeah, I guess it's it. I think at this point, though, everyone's sober. Well, that's know? what the implication is, but it's not true, right? I think by this point in this particular movie, though, you can go along for the ride, it. yeah. Because wherever it's just, we're going, yeah. anything goes. So yeah, Frankie's pregnant. No Every- longer hooking, we take it. Well, probably not. <laughs> and then his dad and Genevieve are there, and they seem like they're not drinking now either. And yeah, Genevieve looks good. I think. Oh, yeah. And everything seems like it's going great, except not so fast, because (laughs) his first night out, he's back at Gator's Retreat, the same club that he accosted those two kids at the beginning. And it seemed, you know, we don't get the whole scene this time, but basically it's like a mirrored image of him doing the same thing to two other people to take drugs. It feels like he'd have a harder time getting away with some of this stuff as a captain, because it just feels like there's less reason to be out on the street once you reach like a level like that. I guess, but I guess there's also less it. people to question you. True, that's true. So he's still using heroin. He goes into a hotel room to do it, and he orders room service. And this guy shows up and sees like what kind of state he's yeah. in. A friend from the past. And it turns out it's the guy from the beginning of the movie that Terrence jumped into the water in the police station to save. And this guy has turned his whole life around, oh, yeah. got off drugs, 
credits hey, Terrence man, with saving his life. I remember you. Yeah, you saved my life. I'm going to help you out. Yeah, he's like, as soon as I get off my shift, I'm going to come get you. <laughs> you look blah, to blah. be in a bad way. I'm Evaristo Chavez, man. You saved my life. I was in the, the prison that was flooding, man. Oh, yeah. Do you remember me? Are you still with the police department? Port of call, still New Orleans. Okay. What happened with you? The judge remanded me to a drug treatment program. November 14th, I have a year clean. Congratulations. Are you all right? Sometimes I have bad days. Listen, you saved my life. I'm almost done working. I'm gonna get you out of here, okay? Okay? Do fish have dreams? And so what does Terrence say to all this? Do fish dream? Do fish have dreams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Taking then the us movie... all the way back to what he was thinking, I think, when looking at that fish after he read that poem. Yeah. You know? Because he did have a certain curiosity in his eyes when he was staring at that fish in the little cup of water. So what does this all mean? It's like, is Terrence trying to figure out if this is all the f- dream of a fish? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i mean it's like blade runner you know yeah you can't really separate what's real and what's not real and who's real and not real. <laughs> well and then the two of them go to the aquarium yes and that's where the movie ends <laughs> right Ooh. now are you supposed to think at all that maybe terrence got this dude to do drugs they both kind of look a little out of it sitting on the floor i don't know yeah i mean i, I don't know the, necessarily what the point of that would be but well, yeah, I was going to say, if you take everything surface value, you could look at it like this guy's going to help Terrence get off drugs. That would be great. And that's the direction we're headed. But it seems like there's more going on than what's on the surface. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a a batshit conclusion to a batshit movie where you're just like, okay. Do fish have dreams? <laughs> One of the things that throws me about this movie is like the idea of people smoking crack. You know what I uh-huh. mean? Like, what do you mean? I, I always associate it with people who are basically like homeless, you know, really don't well, have anything. If I don't you think stick of like, with it and it overtakes your true. life, that's where you end up. I just don't think of crack as being a drug that like the head of a crime syndicate is smoking or like a young couple in their 20s going to the club. <laughs> I just don't picture crack as being that drug of choice. But I guess, you know, when everyone has their own lucky crack pipe. Also, they were living in almost what appears to be a war-torn area. It's so destroyed and crazy. And it's almost like post-apocalyptic in New Orleans because of Katrina. I don't know. I mean, I assume that some people smoke crack that you wouldn't (laughs) believe on the surface. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. I was, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I, guess, like, I was if he's willing just to like, roll with it. Harassing random couples trying to steal their drugs. I'm thinking more like Molly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Less crack, but I don't know. I'm not really hip to whatever's happening at the clubs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, I love like the shit that he says to the girl during the first outside of the club scene. 
<laughs> yeah. Where he's like asking if her alley, parents like right? beat her or molested <laughs> her or like didn't go to her school play or whatever. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, she plays right along with. Well, it. no, she's just like no. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I bet they think about you when you're a little girl, and now you're out in the club, you're not wearing any panties, smoking crack. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitles, like I put on like the closed captions because I'm an old man at this point. I think just, I had it with the subtitles on too. The ones that I had. I think there were, when I was watching it, the subtitles definitely seemed wrong. It's yeah. Like, right, okay. That's what I was getting at. They were so crazy. Yeah. When he stops the football player guy when he buys pot, he says something like, what, this was just a freak occurrence? And it said like, on the subtitles, it's like freaking currents. <laughs> <laughs> When, like, he says no panties to the girl, and then the second time on the subtitles, he says it again, no panties, but on the subtitles, it says no pain. Wow. <laughs> Just, like, shit like that. How it was is, yeah, how throughout that the off? entire movie. Not a ton of effort put into it by the person doing the subtitles for it. <laughs> I guess. You would think they... To make things easier, they would be given, like, a script I guess they were something. just like, yeah, no one's going to care. What well, it, we what was that? Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Lieutenant I, it's never one. far from my mind. It's a movie that became like a modern roadhouse to me. Yeah. Just effortlessly fun. I think if it's one of those movies, though, that if you haven't seen it and you're just listening to us talk about it, it's probably hard to get a sense of it. I mean, obviously, I'm going to put in some clips and people are sure. going to get that. Yeah. I think you got to experience it. You can't take it seriously because it's such a no. different style of movie. And I could definitely see. I mean, if you went up to someone and said, Bad Lieutenant Portacol New Orleans is an awesome movie. You should watch it. I feel like probably a lot of people would start putting it on and, and be like, this seems fucking stupid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, those people are stupid. Well. <laughs> How about that? All right. Hot take. I, I don't know. It's It's a movie for people that love movies. True. Yeah. I think people that go to like only a couple movies a year aren't going to get it. No. <laughs> These are what movies should be like more often, in my opinion. Yeah. People just going for it. People being crazy. The worst sin a movie can commit is being boring. Well, that's true. And this movie's never boring, despite the fact that it's like two hours and it's, it's about a, like... It's a bit on the long side for <laughs> what happens in it, I mean... I, I don't know. I could have done with some more interactions I got, like, between Exhibit and Nick Cage. True. though. I Once you get to the point when Exhibit's in it more, I like the movie more, actually. Getting like an hour into it, I was like, man, I can't believe there's still an hour left of this movie. <laughs> there's just a lot going on. There is a lot going on. That's for sure. Yeah, I would have preferred maybe like one or two more like really off-the-wall scenes rather than the stuff with the gambling which never really pays off right. that great i like brad dorif he's in like a ton of things he's like a great character oh actor. sure yeah but yeah i mean it leads to the funny well, that, sequence with fruza bulk that's but the, <laughs> the other thing when he comes in and is like oh yeah you didn't watch the game you won 10 grand on it but he also is like oh and thanks for getting my daughter off of that speeding ticket or whatever <laughs> you know what i mean like that's yeah. when it all comes back with fruza bulk Right. That she took care of it. And you're just like, oh, that worked yeah. out. I guess that also is one of the big questions of the movie is like, what 
do all of these people see in Terrence to like want to help him and do things for him? Because he doesn't really seem like he does anything for anyone else. That great of a guy. No. <laughs> Yet Eva Mendez is in love with him to the point where she's gonna stop being a prostitute and have his baby and. Feruza Balk is like, yeah, well, he's using me for these drugs, and he's not even going to fuck me like right. I want, yeah. but I'm still going to help him? I don't know. Who knows? It's good to be Terrence, I guess. There's enough mystery to keep you thinking about the movie and trying to piece all of it together, and yet there's it's also, it's somehow simultaneously mysterious and unclear, but it's yeah. also very straightforward and simple, at the somehow at the same time. Yeah. Because the stuff with Big Fate and the murders and everything seem pretty cut and dry. Right. And then there's this whole other separate thing of everything else going on with Terrence. <laughs> like his whole life, trying um, to figure out what his history is with his dad and how that all shook out and like, I don't know. Well, obviously Mandy was a completely insane movie, but I do feel like these kind of fit into the same category a little bit. Yeah, this is after I saw... Wise, Port of Call New Orleans, I got like interested in Nick Cage again for oh, the yeah, first yeah. time in a long time. Right. And I thought this was where it was headed. And honestly, the movies that he did immediately following this were such a huge Season disappointment. Of the Witch. That was one of them. That Drive Angry movie, which I saw in the theater oh, right. yeah. with like Amber Heard, that was like a disaster. It seemed like it should have been cool and it was horrible. Mm hmm. And you just realize that, like, oh, if people meet a certain price, they'll just do the movie. Well, that seems it like it's been the whole legend with him. For but years, sometimes right? he goes above and beyond and delivers, like, some crazy performance that only he could do. And right. It just took, like, 10 years yeah, to get to like, another one. I think, one. like, 10 years from now, we'll get another one. He'll still look <laughs> the same. It's a, it's a weird, weird career. It is. So that'll do it. Thanks for listening. Follow yeah. the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes. Got a lot of fun things coming up. Don't worry. Just because we already did Bad Lieutenant Portocol New Orleans, it's not over. There's still more fun episodes to come. Yeah, I was thinking recently, like, we're definitely going to get to 300 regular episodes. I Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without question. All right. So that'll do it. And uh, we'll see you next time.
lyrics. I cannot believe this stuff is on the radio. Bitch, you thirsty. Please grab a Sprite. My crypt's lurking. Don't die tonight. I just want to dance with you, baby. Just don't move too fast. I'm too crazy. Man down, down the ass, and get shaded. Take a nigga mind off that. We can dip, fuck in the whip, slide right back in function. One wrong word, start busting. Put that on my Yankee hat. I'm a gangster crip, fuck gangster rap. Where the ladies at? Where the hoes? Where the bitches? Every real nigga know the difference. Bandana brown, like the dope daddy shooting in the kitchen. Real nerf side nigga, never went to Polly Wilson or Cabrilla. Cocaine color of acrylo. T scrap moving for the D-Lo. What he know? Then the, that was the first verse. This is the the main chorus says, I ain't never ran from nothing but the police. Let's just encourage kids to run from the police. From the city where the skinny carry strong heat. Northside, Long Beach. Northside, Long Beach. Hit the corner, make a dollar flip, and split the dollars with my mama children. Folks need Porsches. Hoes need abortions. This is where it gets really messed up. Hop. Cut class. Is it wasn't about cash. School wasn't no fun because I couldn't bring my gun. Sorry I hit your homie five times. Better grab chalk. This is on our music. This is on our radio station that our kids are listening to. I am so upset. This is ridiculous. I ain't never ran from nothing but the police. I never ran from nothing but the police. I never ran from nothing but the police. From the city where the skinny carry strong heat, north side Long Beach, north side Long Beach. Do fish have dreams?